Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Today we are in Genesis chapter 48 and we will look at Genesis 48 verses 1 through 22. Today we will consider the last few hours or days of the life of the patriarch Jacob. We've come a long way with Jacob. And soon um, he will as the author of Hebrews says, pass from this earth with the promise unfulfilled and yet having lived a life of faith. And so today let us look at Genesis chapter 48, beginning in verse 1. Sometime later, Joseph was told, your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan. And there he blessed me and said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you here will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Any children born to you after them will be yours in the territory they inherit. They will be reckoned under the names of their brothers. As I was returning from Padan, to to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan while we were still on the way, a little distance from Ephrath. So I buried her there beside the road to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, who are these? They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again. And now God has allowed me to see your children, too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and placed it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger. And crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly upon the earth. When Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. So he took hold of his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to him, No, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a people and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he. And his descendants will become a group of nations. He blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. Blessing, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, I am about to die. 
But God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. And to you, as one who is over your brothers, I give you the ridge of land I took from the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Holy Father, as we consider your word, we ask that you would enlighten us according to your will. That you would grow us so that we might grow in knowledge of you. So that we might grow in holiness and so that we might be changed by you, removing the old man and putting on the new, being remade daily in the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, it is by the power of your spirit working through your word that we are changed. And so fill this sermon with your spirit so that we all might be changed, grow to love you more and grow to be like you more. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In this passage today, as Jacob is preparing to bless all of his children, before he blesses all 12 of them in chapter 49, which we'll look at next week, he pulls Joseph aside and gives him a special blessing, the blessing of elevating him to the role of eldest son. If we remember back through the life of Jacob, After he returned to the promised land from his time in Paddan Aram, his three older sons by Leah disqualified themselves from leadership of the family. And so Jacob takes the favorite son, the oldest son of his favorite wife, and he gives him a double blessing by blessing each of his sons. Now to understand this a little bit better, it helps us to understand that in the ancient Near East, Whenever a father was nearing the end of his life, he would count the number of sons that he had. So I would say that I have three sons. I would divide all my property up into four equal portions, and then the oldest son would get two portions, and the two younger sons would get uh, one portion apiece. And so in blessing Ephraim and Manasseh, Jacob is giving Joseph the double portion of the eldest son, and he is elevating him to the position of prominence within the family. And we know through the history of Israel that it is ultimately Judah that the king will come from, the king David and David's descendants and ultimately the Messiah that the people of Israel look for. But here at the end of his life, Jacob raises Joseph to a place of prominence. And as we consider this process of raising Joseph to a place of prominence, we're going to see that children are a gift from God. We're going to see the doctrine of adoption. And we're going to see that inheritance comes to those who are adopted. First, we're going to look at the fact that children are gifts from God. And Joseph finds out that Jacob is ill and he takes his two sons to visit with Jacob. Now, more than likely, this was not the first time that Jacob had met these two children of Joseph because Jacob's been living in Egypt for 17 years. And I would imagine, like any of us who wants the grandparents of our children to meet their children, Joseph would have taken Ephraim and Manasseh to Jacob at some point. And more than likely, because of the flow of the narrative, verses 3 through 7 were a, 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 a speech that, that Jacob had given to Joseph sometime in those 17 years. 
But it explains what Jacob wants to do. It explains that Jacob has the authority to confer, to give blessing on, well, really anyone, because God had blessed him. He reminds Joseph, he reminds us as we read it, that God had appeared to him at Luz, which which Jacob renames Bethel. Remember, as he's fleeing from Esau, he stops there on the plains in front of the city of Luz, and he lays down and he has the dream of the God enthroned above the heavens and the earth, the staircase, the, the, the ziggurat that the angels are going up and down upon. And God blesses him there. And as Jacob re-enters the promised land, God blesses him again after he wrestles with the angel there at the ford of Jabbok. And jo- Jacob reminds Joseph that because God has blessed him directly, he has the authority to bless those who um, come after him, those whom he chooses to bless. And the blessings come in the reminder of the promises given to Abraham, the promises given to Isaac, the promises given to Jacob, the promises of land and large families and the promise to be with you wherever he goes. And as Joseph approaches Jacob, Jacob goes through this process, this legal process of adopting the two sons. But I'm getting ahead of myself there. And the first part of that process is asking the question, who are these young men before me? And instead of just answering, this is Ephraim and this is Manasseh, Joseph instructively says, these are the sons God has given me. Joseph should be encouraging to us. Everything that he has gone through, the betrayal at the hand of his brothers, the betrayal at the hand of Potiphar's wife, the betrayal of the official in Pharaoh's court who forgot him and left him in prison for two years, Joseph still sees God's hand in absolutely every aspect of his life. And he says, these are the sons God has given me. Joseph understands something fundamental about children. They're not accidents. They're not inconveniences. They're not economic drains on people who could spend their money in much better ways. They're not something in our life that can be easily replaced by a cat or a dog that causes far less difficulty in our life. Children are a gift from God. For those of us that have children, for those of us that have watched children go up, they are special. They are given to us by God and they are truly gifts. Our society anymore does not view children as gifts. And unfortunately, sometimes within the church, we don't view children as gifts either. Sometimes we take on the thinking of the culture. Sometimes we say, you know what, how much more money could I have had had I not have children? You know, the last statistics I looked at when my children were were born, so this would have been about 15 or about 16, 17 years ago. Sorry there, Zachary. Would have been that it cost anywhere from a quarter to a half a million to raise a child from birth to 18 years of age. My father jokingly said when my, when my youngest brother graduated from Lakeland Christian School after paying 
tuition to Lakeland Christian School for 29 straight years, my father said, man, I could have had a Ferrari. But we knew differently. Dad would have not have done it any differently. Dad would not have invested his money anywhere else except in the gifts that were his children. How many of us look at our children sometimes? And we may not say it out loud. Unfortunately, some of us do say it out loud, but we at least think to ourselves, how could my life have been different without my children? How much better could my life have been? How much of a pain are you? But they're not. I don't say that, Zachary. They're not. They are gifts from God. Our life, if we have been given children by God, our life would be no better without them. They would be worse. The first time I saw Gregory. And they handed Gregory to me, the doctors, the nurses took him, they cleaned him up, they wrapped him up in that blanket They handed him to me and I'm just awestruck by this life that is in my hand. And when they handed Lucas to me, I was awestruck by the life that was in my hand. When they handed Zachary to me, I was awestruck by the life that was in my hand. And I knew something fundamental each of those times. My life was changed for the better. Now, I am not the perfect father. I do forget that at times, that they are gifts from God. But I was reminded as I studied this passage, our children are gifts. Ask somebody who doesn't have children but desperately wants them how much a child is a gift. And maybe we'll understand. Joseph knew that every aspect of his life was in the hands of God, was controlled by God, and that included his children. Now, it doesn't mean we don't discipline. It doesn't mean that we don't speak truth to our children. But we need to be reminded often that children are a gift from God. But the next thing we see in this particular passage is the doctrine of adoption. When Joseph, when Jacob asked Joseph, who are these people with you? He is beginning a formula that in the ancient Near East began a rite, a a ritual of adoption. Typically in the ancient Near East, when somebody wanted to adopt someone as their own children, they would start the ceremony by saying, who is this here before me? And then the child would be placed upon the knees. Or if the child was too, was an older child, maybe in their teens or early 20s, as Ephraim and Manasseh probably were. They would be placed either on the knees or in between the knees of the person that was adopting them, signifying that they had proceeded from the loins of this man. And in signifying that, once they got up and bowed before the man that was adopting them, the world would look upon them as the biological descendants of the man who had just adopted them. And that's what we see here in this just kind of bizarre passage that we may look at you know why would joseph place his 20 something year old sons his 20 something childless 20 something year old childless sons on the knees of a 147 year old man it's because jacob was adopting them as his own sons 
In the eyes of the people of God, in the eyes of Jacob's families, these Ephraim and Manasseh were no longer the sons of Joseph. They were the sons of Jacob. We think of salvation oftentimes as an act whereby we are declared righteous before God. And we are. And that is true. When we embrace God by faith, he declares us righteous. We are covered with Christ's righteous through the uniting with the Holy Spirit. But something that we have a tendency to forget is that we are adopted by God. Why are we able to say our father who art in heaven? It's because in the eyes of God, we are adopted. We are no longer sons of the enemy. We are no longer sons of Satan. We are sons of God. And we can honestly say our father who art in heaven. We don't understand the importance of that till we understand the importance of the adoption of Ephraim and Manasseh. And the importance comes in the idea of inheritance. Ephraim and Manasseh are adopted as sons and as sons, they receive an inheritance. Now, what is their inheritance? It's a twofold inheritance. First, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob becomes their God. We see this blessing in verses 15 and 16. May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, part of being called the sons of God is that we must walk before God. We must walk in His laws. We must walk in faith. We must walk in trust. Jacob goes on to say, not only is the God before whom my fathers walked, he said, this is the same God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. Actually, in the original language, it says this is the God who has fed me all my life to this day, which was the role of the shepherd, the feeding, the protecting of his sheep. Think back on Jacob's life. Think back on the fact that, you know, he was a schemer. He committed sins. He tried to he tried to manipulate his life in the direction he wanted to go. And yet even in those moments, God was his shepherd every day of his life until this day. And he says, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, the angel there you'll notice is in capital letters, capital A, because the angel throughout the book of Genesis so far is the angel of the Lord who is equated with God. This uh, um, uh, pre-incarnate appearance of God. And he says, may this God with whom my fathers walk, the God who has been my shepherd, the God who has protected me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by the names of my fathers, uh, by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. He says, may their God, may my God be their God. That's the first inheritance that they get. The second part of their inheritance is that they get land and descendants. May they increase greatly upon the earth. You know, throughout the book of Genesis, as we near the end, we're going to be looking at some of these themes that have flowed throughout the entire book of Genesis. Humanity started in the garden. They had a land, they had a place to dwell, and they were given the command to have a bunch of babies. Lots and lots of babies to fill the earth, to subdue it. 
And they lost the land, but they didn't lose the right to have the babies. And after a time, God called a people unto himself. He called Abram from his home and he says, go to a land and I'll give you a bunch of inherit of descendants. And then Isaac came along and he says, I will give you this land and a bunch of descendants. And Jacob came along and he said, I will give you this land and a bunch of descendants. And here Jacob says to Ephraim and to Manasseh, he said, I will give you some land and a bunch of descendants. And, and he crisscrosses Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph, Joseph understands that his father is 147 years old. Apparently blindness runs in the family. Remember, Jacob went to a blind father to receive blessing. Jacob has lost his sight. Joseph is trying to set things up so that the oldest son is in the place of prominence on the right hand. The younger son is in the place of lesser prominence on the left hand. And what does Jacob do? He swaps hands and he gives the younger son the blessing and the greater blessing and the older son uh, the lesser blessing, which is which is counterintuitive. It's countercultural. And it reminds us that God works counterculturally. It also redeems what Jacob did those many years ago with his father, where he tricked him in his blindness. And yet here, Jacob, in his own blindness, follows the leading of the spirit and blesses the younger over the greater and promises them both land, promises them both descendants. But what is missing in this? Both of these promises, the land and the descendants, they must be taken by faith. These boys are probably close to 20 years old, but they are described in this passage by a term that means an unmarried childless male. We usually translate it boy in our language, in English. These boys are living in Egypt, and it will be close to 400 years before their descendants will even begin to leave Egypt, much less begin to take claim of the land that was there. The inheritance and blessing given by Jacob must be taken by faith by Ephraim and Manasseh. And our adoption and our inheritance comes through faith as well. Today we see that children are a gift of God's. Today we have seen that we are adopted as the children of God. And today we have seen that we await an inheritance by faith. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives us this Beautiful, this beautiful defense of the resurrection. He says, you know, I told you the most important thing was that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. And then he says that is important for us because Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection. We talked about the benefits of resurrection in Christ today. It's that when Christ returns, our bodies and our souls will be reunited they will be glorified and they will be lifted up. And we know that is true because that has happened to Jesus. When he rose from the dead, he was given a glorified body. When he rose from the dead, he he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And we await the time when we meet with God face to face without fear because we are tainted by sin. That is the inheritance that awaits us. For those who are adopted as sons, the full inheritance of the glory of God is ours. And we await that with faith. So please know 
that if you are adopted as a child of God, you have a sure inheritance that awaits you as we walk before God. Let us pray. Our gracious and holy Father above, we do thank you for this passage that reminds us that you do not work in a way that the world expects you to work and that we have an inheritance that awaits us as we are your children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.